0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California.
1: Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. The next 20, 30 minutes, I would recommend to be either aware of the breath, then if you're aware of the breath, generally you will be aware more of the neutral feeling tone. Or you can do listening meditation. Then you might be aware of the sounds. Then the unpleasant or pleasant feeling tones. Or you can be aware of sensations. And then when you're aware of sensations, being aware of pleasant, unpleasant, neutral feeling tones. As we try to be aware of feeling tones, either by being aware of the breath, the sounds, of the body sensations, not grasping at the feeling tone, nor rejecting them, just being aware as they arise and pass away. At any moment, there can be many different feeling tones. So in order to anchor us, just trying to be aware of the feeling tones when we're aware of the breath, the feeling tone of that experience, breathing, or being aware of the sounds, the different feeling tones that arise, upon contact with certain sounds. of you are aware of the body and sensations, being aware of the feeling tone of the sensation of contact of the air on the skin, or being aware of the feeling tones of strong sensation in the body and how the feeling tone themselves arise and pass away Before the final uh, talk, if we want just to stand up, to stretch a little... Okay? Um,
0: Somewhat late to ask this question, but um, by feeling tone, you mean um, pleasant and pleasant neutral, right? Yes. Okay,
1: just making sure. Yeah, I would would make the difference between feeling tone, like basic feeling tone of pleasant and pleasant neutral, which at any moment you have... You can have so many different. And that's what also is interesting to see. You can have a pleasant thought and a pleasant sensation, and etc. etc. And to what I would call the emotional feeling sensation, when it's, when you feel it more in the heart or around the in the middle of the body, and then you feel something. Is uh, I mean, and then you can name it in different way. That's what I would make the difference here. Yeah. Yes.
2: It, is there a difference between uh, feeling sensation and like and dislike?
1: I think it's a it's a next step. You see, and, and I because the you have contact, then you have feeling tone. That's given. That's given. And then, like and dislike is actually very conditional. Very like, you know, le- let's uh, think about music. My husband, Stephen, really like very, very modern music. And so it can be very atonal, very loud. And for him, it gives rise to pleasant feeling. Too. Uh, to me, not at all. <laughs> so I would say, actually, the... Yes, you're right in a way that the pleasant, the feeling tone comes up naturally, but they are conditioned, so that we don't necessarily like the same thing, so we don't necessarily have the same pleasant feeling. No, no, you're right. I mean, but I would not say it's kind of exactly the same, but yeah, it's very close.
2: So, so which which is first then?
1: Uh, yeah, the first one is contact. But
2: which is contact? Pleasant, unpleasant.
1: No, no, no. Contact is just the fact that um, I, see this, I see this bell. So I come into the room, and I come in contact with the bell. When I am in the street, I don't contact, come in contact with the, the, the bell. I come in contact with all the things. So I come in contact with the bell. I see the bell. So contact, eye consciousness, then feeling tone possibly slightly pleasant feeling tone. Hmm, a nice Buddhist bear. Or if you have bad association, another bear. So, whatever. So, contact, you have contact. The way it's described is that you have contact uh, in terms of uh, what the Buddha says through the six consciousnesses, the eyes, the nose, the tongue, the body, the mind, the smell. And so through each of these sense doors, you have contact. And generally, after contact, immediately you have the feeling tone. And generally, yes, it is associated with, I like this, I don't like this, I want more, I can't stand it, kind of type of thing. And that's where the, the Buddha is saying we have a choice. At that moment, not in terms of the feeling tone, that it's pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, this is part of being human. But after what we do with it, do we exaggerate it? Do we grasp at it? That's where we have the choice. Any other question about the feeling tones? Yes.
0: Great, thanks. Would you um, say a little bit more about the emotional feeling tone as opposed to just
1: mm.
0: raw contact?
1: Uh, OK, I mean, again, if uh, I am not a psychologist or a scientist or whatever, so I just kind of try to find the word to, from my experience. But I would say that often. Uh, when we experience what I would call emotion. But I prefer... You see, for me, there is a difference between what I would call a feeling, emotional sensation and what often people describe as an emotion. By then, it's gone fairly intense. And so what I find interesting, in a way, is to look at the emotional habits and to see that generally it's the same as with the thought. You have the, what I would call the emotional function, like fear, anger, sadness. They all have emotional function for a human being. But then they, they often become habituated and often negatively habituated, and then they become more like what I would call stuck, like habit. And so you easily feel angry or you easily feel sad or you easily feel anxious or whatever. But in terms of how can meditation help us to creatively engage with our emotional life, I would say what is interesting is to go inside the body and where is it, I feel this. Because often what we do is that we feel an emotion, and then we name it, and then we go into the story of it, and then generally we proliferate in past and future, which really generally amplify it. And I find an interesting meditation is to go inside the body, in the place where generally we feel what I would call our emotions, and generally it's in the front of the body, but once somebody told me he felt his emotion in his back of his neck, So again, you have to find the place where it's kind of like you suddenly feel, (gasps) where you feel that. And then instead of going into the naming, the defining, the story-making, to just how does it feel inside the body? And then it's kind of often quite amorphous. And also we have to see if it's at what level is it. Sometimes it's light, sometimes it's habitual, sometimes it's intense. Intense, it's overwhelming. Habitual, it's like we kind of go down a certain track. And of course, the easiest place to work with it is when it's light. And often that, if nothing has happened shocking recently, when you sit in meditation, generally it can be light. And then, if it's not too strong, to just go inside the place where you feel it and just to notice how does it feel the texture, the, the moving, and just to be with it. And then to see, is it staying there or is it going? And that's what often I do in my daily life. Like if something happened, like some time ago I had a little, uh, little thing in the garden shop. You know, I get my parts and then I misunderstand the lady. She thinks I'm stupid. And there is a little awkward moment. And then you feel, oh! And so I took my plants and I felt, oh! And so I could feel something there. And normally you feel something there and you start, you know, this is terrible. I am a stupid person or she is a stupid person. I can never go back to that garden shop. And I'll have to go to this other one. And, and then off you go. Instead I thought, oh! How long is, go- is this going to last? This feeling. So I, for about an hour it was a bit there. Mm, mm, mm. And then when I did not think about it, it was not there. But as soon as I thought of it, mm, and then it went. And then within two hours it was totally gone. And since then I've been back to that garden shop. <laughs> so, But it's easier to do this when it's light. When, when it's habitual, it's so much intense that generally I would not recommend to focus on it. Because it's so intense, it's just, then it's better to focus on something else.
0: So, are you suggesting that um, uh, the meditator can actually name or label the emotion as pleasant, unpleasant, neutral?
1: Oh, yeah, you can also do that, but Yes, you can also do that because you can do the, the feeling tone, awareness with any of the sense door. So I say, yes, you could do that.
0: Yeah, In my own practice, I find it very useful to, um, that's a gateway to go deeper, to uh, get through that emotional level and actually identify the way that it's affecting me and then it allows me to go a little bit deeper.
1: Sure, sure. Then I think after that, different people can creatively engage mm-hmm. in different ways. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. So shall I uh, do the last one? So I'm not going to cover everything because uh, appropriate livelihood. I won't have the time to cover it, and that's actually a difficult one. But that's a whole subject in itself. If you want to talk about it, we can do that in the question and answer. So what I want to finish with is what is called appropriate effort and also what is known as the four great efforts. And to me, I think this is one of the, the great teaching of the Buddha. And actually, you could uh, resume it, acronym, as SELP. S-E-L-P. We could start to invent a new word. Selping. <laughs> why not? So, the four great efforts, it's actually, and of, of course you need mindfulness to do it, it's an awareness of conditions and a transformation of condition before and during. And that's why that's I really like about. So, I'll recite them. You must... Be aware of them. Is that one or two? Four. No, wait, wait. We're not there yet. Okay. Not there yet. <laughs> not there yet. Okay. First one. S. S. Yes, first one. This is a, a modern, quick way to do it because the, the definition with the Buddha is really long. So, shortened version. Uh, one. Sustain positive states once they have arisen. Second, E, enable positive states that have not yet arisen to arise. Not a bad idea. Third, L, let go of negative states once they have arisen. Four, P, prevent negative states that have not yet arisen to arise. So that's a selping So the first one. The first one is interesting. It's sustained positive state once they have a reason. And I think this is something that the mindfulness can really help us with. To appreciate that right now, I am okay. Right now, I am peaceful or clear or happy, whatever it is. Not in, look at me, I am fantastically happy, more than you, but more going inside, how does it feel to be happy, to be peaceful, to be clear, and to really know it, to really experience it. And what is interesting is that if you do that, it sustains itself. So just uh, being aware of it, sustain it. So the sustaining actually does not require much just to be aware of it. And this is something you can experience if you've done some uh, meditation retreat. Sometime at some point in a meditation retreat, you might experience what I would call a quiet and clear state. So suddenly you feel really quiet and really clear. And generally, the first time this happens, you get very excited. This is it, awakening in the next moment. And then it goes, immediately. <laughs> because as soon as you grasp at it, it goes. And then the practice is to just, when it happens, to just be with it. And what is interesting is that when the state happens and you are just with it, it continues. As long as you don't grasp at it, it continues. It continues. And I think this is the same with all the positive states that we experience in our life. To just be aware of it, to just inhabit them, oh yeah, right now, oh, that was quite compassionate. Hmm, that's quite wise. So we know it just to know it. What is interesting is that if we do this, actually it really gives us confidence. Shada, the, the sada, the faith it really makes it, oh, yeah, I can experience positive state. And it really counterbalances that tendency we have sometimes to focus too much on negativity, on difficulty, on what is unpleasant. Then you have the next one. Enable positive state that have not yet arisen to arise. So basically it's saying, enable calm, clarity, creativity, compassion to arise. So then it's really looking at how can this state, how can they be more likely to happen? And I think this actually partly comes with the three trainings of ethics, meditation and wisdom. Like if, I think that if we cultivate the Eightfold Path, positive state, wholesome state are more likely to arise because that's the point of this. That's the point of the Eightfold Path. But in terms of practicality for us every day in our daily life, if we look, for example, as the tools of awareness, if we look at the various meditation we can do to see that each of them actually will help something to arise because each of them have a little different effect. Like, for example, the breath. The breath generally is calming. And this is why in the mindfulness-based stress uh, cognitive therapy for depression, they suggest the short-breath method. And so three, four times a day, you just stop. And you ask yourself, what is going on? Then you go back in the body, and you just breathe for a minute. And then you go back to what you do. And actually, they found that this was very effective. And they also, this, the breath is used in many like, kind of urgent profession, like professions like firefighter or things like that, to, to, for, for them to become more calm, so that they can do the job in not a stress manner. So the breath generally has a coming effect, as long as you're not asthmatic. And then it might not have that effect, so you have to be careful there. Then the next one is a body. The body generally, to be aware of the body, this is really generally grounding. It really grounds you. Because if you notice, when you go about your day, sometimes you really get caught in your thought. And sometimes it's nearly like your brain is about a meter ahead of you, and the body is trying to catch up. And to be aware of the breath is kind of like really inhabiting not only this body, in a way, but this earth, this being here. And I think it can be quite useful during the day to just come back to the body, that you be a gardener, a cook, a secretary or a computer expert, to just come back to the body, just for 30 seconds, being aware of the body, just grounding in the body again. Or at the end of the day, if you're really kind of all over the place, coming back to the body as you enter your home, again, brings you back. And then it's more likely that you have that groundedness for whatever will happen next. Or listening, I really like listening meditation because I feel it's kind of like help us with receptivity. So they become more open, more receptive. That's what I would also encourage time to time to do this, also to be with sounds in a different way instead of being upset by sounds. There is so many sounds nowadays in our life. To see then just kind of like arising and passing away then can help us not to feel that These sounds are going to attack me. They're against me. And also I feel the sounds help us to be more easily with what is unpredictable. And then that prepares us a little for whatever happened to be with what is unreliable. Then you have the loving kindness. And the loving kindness can again set us up a different way with other people. I I have a friend She's an actress, kind of a theatre actress in a small town, and she has her director is a little tense making, and so it, she said before she goes to meet him, she does loving kindness meditation, and so that when she meets him, she feels okay. She is more likely to feel okay for about thirty minutes, and then he gets her going. which she said at least I start from a quiet place, and then things come up later on. So again, the loving kindness can help us to be more at the level, meeting more at the level of human being than all the story of the idea we have about each other. So in a way, we have all these different what I call tools of awareness. And in a way, in order for us to enable the positive state, I think what we have to do is remember that we can cultivate this tool of awareness. I think this is very important to see. Oh, yes, now I could do listening meditation. Oh, yeah, now I could do a little walking meditation. Like if you have a therapist and you spend all day sitting, or secretary, then walking meditation might be a good idea, than just more sitting. So again, oh, I could do some walking meditation. Or at lunchtime, instead of like, you know eating, working, at least having 20 minutes where you just have a pause and you just eat your sandwich or whatever it is and just be present to that, just being aware of the breath, just to bring a pause in the day, which again is more likely to, f- to make that you will be more grounded when you go back to work. So I would say to t- remember that you have practiced this, remember that you want to, to use that, and then do it. I think this is a thing. To enable the positive state, we have to do it. We have to be aware of the breath or aware of the body and we have to cultivate it. And then it is more likely to happen. Then we have the let go. We have the third one, let go of negative states, ones have have reason. And as we know, it's not easy to let go. When you are in the intensity of something happening, last thing on your mind is let go, it's okay. Everything is impermanent. Everything is not self. So who is there to suffer? Try telling you that. It does not work. So I think, in a way, we have to see that it depends. This letting go, I think it really depends on the condition on how you feel and what is going on. So personally I would see the letting go in four stages. The first stage is the first stage is when and this is not from the Pali Canon, this is just my own idea. <laughs> a shortcut to cessation. <coughs> the first stage is when you've done a little bit of meditation or you have a little bit of awareness. And you go through the painful stage, and then you come out of it and you look and you realize, oh, that was painful. That was not such a good idea, was it? It happens again, stops. Hmm, yeah, I yeah, did it again. That was a bit painful, wasn't it? Hmm, maybe not such a good idea. But personally, I think it's, I know you still went through the thing. But I think it's good that finally you see, oh, yeah, I do this. That's what's going on. I think it's part of the letting go, of the negative state is knowing. Because generally we so identify with it that we, don't, we barely know that it's happening. I had this, um, that's my early day as a nun, really early day. I barely knew anything about Buddhism. And there was this guest. There was this guest I had to explain Buddhism to. And I barely knew my four from my five, from my ten. And here I am trying to explain the four noble truths. So I said, first truth, suffering, second one, what's the second one? And then I see a monk, and he's pinching my persimmon. He's going away with my bucket full of persimmon. I pinch. So I get up and I shout at him, "No, it's my persimmon! You can't take them; they're mine." I said, "Okay, okay, put the bucket." It goes. Then I go back. Ah, yes, a second emotion, no <laughs> craving. <laughs> then cessation. Then the fourth one, the path. And then the people go. Then my friend, the other nun, said, "Did you notice?" I said, notice what? Well, what you did with the persimmon. Hmm? Oh, really? And then it's only then I realized I had done it. You know, I had got up, shouted at the bomb, got my persimmon craving in action big time. <laughs> but only when she pointed it out did I realize I had done it. So I think that's why it's quite important. The stage when we realize, hey, maybe this is not on then you have the next stage. And this one, you have done a little more awareness, meditation. And then you are in the middle of it. You're really in the middle of it. You are angry or whatever it is, you're really in the full-blown of it. And you're so aware of it. And that doesn't make a difference. <laughs> and you're so frustrated. Because before, at least you were not aware of it, and so it, you could enjoy it in a funny (laughs) negative way but now you're in the middle of it you're so aware and it does not change and I think this one has to be aware that this is very frustrating but I think it's part of it and the fact that you're aware of it and it doesn't change actually it does change a little generally by being aware of it, it you don't intensify it as much you don't amplify it as much And generally, it lasts a little less long. So for me, this also is a letting go, just becoming aware in the middle of it. Then you have the third stage, and that is when you really start to see the cycle, and you start to see that actually it's conditioned. There is a trigger, and there is kind of various contributing factors, and so you start to catch it after it has just arrived, you just see, oh, that. And you know that if you follow it, you're going to go in a very nasty, unpleasant place. And then you decide to do something else. You might go for a walk, talk to somebody, read a book, whatever works for you. And that to me also is a letting go. Because you, you, you creatively engage with that moment. And then there is a final stage of letting go, the fourth stage of letting go. And this is just before something happens, and you're going to go into the negative pattern. You see the negative pattern arise. And as it's kind of not expressed, but just on the point of arising, you ask yourself, could not I do something else? instead of doing the same old thing. And at that moment, actually, you have a great fear. And then you realize we generally prefer the pain of the known than the non-pain of the unknown. But if you have enough power of creative awareness, you do something different. And then at that moment, you feel so much ease that you wonder, why did not I do it before? And then you will never do it again. But why you don't do it again is because of compassion. Because then finally you see how painful the habit was for you and others. And then generally, in similar circumstances, you will creatively engage. But what I think is important to see is that all the four stages for me are letting go. That. Of course, people think the fourth one, the last one, is the best. I, I would agree. It's a good one. But we cannot be there for every habit. Some are much stronger than others. So I think, we, I think it's important to see that each of the four stages is a letting go, is a certain letting go in term of that negative state. And then we have the last one, the last great effort, which is prevent negative states that have not yet arisen to arise. And how are we going to do this? Because we like to do this. All of us would like to do this. And I think that is about conditions. This is really to see that we are not all the time the same. We're not all the time positive state. We're not all the time negative state. So then to really become interested, how do these negative states arise? And so how could I creatively engage with the condition? And I think that's where we really have to see what is a trigger, what is it that triggers me, what are the conditions, and what are the contributing factors. And then we can really see we don't have to be worried all the time. Only on some occasion, most of the time we're kind of going about quite okay. And then sometimes something really happens, and that's where we have to be a little careful. So as I said, busyness. Busyness, I think, is one of the big uh, difficulty we have. And busyness even in terms of compassion. Look, you suddenly have this idea, I am busy, I am busy, I have this to do, that to do, that to do. And you get into this tunnel vision, and you have somebody saying, oh, help me. Never mind, maybe in two days, at five o'clock, I might have ten seconds, but this, I have this to do, I have that to do. I think it's very important to, to see that in our world, this busy mind, when it gets hold of us, it really generally cuts awareness, wisdom, but especially compassion. So really to be careful of that one. Then you have the tiredness. Tiredness also is a big one. And in a way we have a choice in terms of prevention. When we are tired, do we want to continue to do what we do? Or should we go and have a little pause? Should we go and have a little rest? I am more of the angry type, which means if I... When I get tired, when I used to get tired, I used to get very irritated. And then because I was irritated, and I must have good reason to be irritated, then I look for somebody to be irritated with. And generally, my husband, which was nearby, would get it. (laughs) But then he would say, I did not do nothing. And I would say, that's true, he did not do anything. So why am I irritated? So finally I went back and I thought, oh, I am irritated because I'm tired. And then since then when I'm tired, I go and rest. And then I'm a much nicer person. So again, to see what are the conditions and the effect that they have on us. Another one is sleeplessness. When we don't sleep, that can be very problematic. But then there is a problem if you don't sleep. Then you get anxious about not sleeping, which makes you sleep even less. And so I think here we have to be very careful if we don't sleep well to then not grasp at sleeping. I must sleep tonight. If I don't sleep tonight, my life is finished. (laughs) And I'm not going to sleep tonight and my life is going to be finished. Instead, think that you're going to rest. Forget about sleeping. Don't mind about sleeping. I'm just going to rest tonight. I'm just going to lie down on the bed. I'm just going to be aware of the breath. If I sleep, fine. If not, never mind. I'm just resting. And that actually can make a difference. Instead of fighting with the sleep, then you actually, again, engage with it in a different way. And I think, in a way, with that, while we were preventing, I think we have to also know and accept our limitation. This, I think, to me is an important part of the wisdom, of the awareness. What are my mental, physical, emotional, relational limitations? We are all have limitations, especially limitation of energy. Of course, we can be heroic. Sometimes we can go beyond but we cannot sustain heroism. We cannot sustain going beyond. So I think it's kind of, with the mindfulness, becoming aware of what is my limitation. I used to, to get quite um, funny. I mean, I was quite a relatively, possibly nice person some of the time. And even when I was a nun, you know, I was fine, I was fine. And then suddenly, I would have kind of like a burst of anger, which people thought, a nun? Burst of anger? This is weird. She must not be a good nun. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of thought, this is weird to have this kind of suddenly out of nowhere. It was really weird. Like, I was okay, I was okay, and then pshh. And, so th- and so this is something I-, I-, I have worked on, to really be aware of that, to be aware of this, what is it, that makes it suddenly you have this impulse 'Cause most of the time we find until we have a compulsion. And it seems to bypass everything. <laughs> and actually the preventing I see I really noting what is my limitation in terms of, you know, time, space and all of us have different limitations and to accept that. And to work with them. And I think then that really can help with this P, with this prevention. So That's what I wanted to say. Are there any questions, final questions, or comments?
2: In terms of changing our behavior, when we identify a pattern that we fall into that we realize causes suffering for ourselves and for people around us, but we can't change it. Or we, we try in different ways. Do you, I mean, do you think at some point you just, that's what it is? We're stuck with sort of who we are? Or do you think the challenge is to persist? And, and I really appreciate your notion of tools. Tools are very helpful.
1: You see, I think, again, it's back to what I said. Some will be able to disappear. They can disappear at some point. Some, they can become much less. Like, you know, you might be, nowadays, I get upset five minutes. You know, I get upset for whatever happens, certain things, some, some time. And then generally I apologize. And that doesn't happen as often as it used to, even then. So something can really diminish, really, really diminish. And then only certain very specific circumstances. And so it's for you to be a little prepared, to be a little prepared. Also to see how damaging it is. You know, like some are not so problematic. They can in a way be seen as funny. And then some of them are really problematic, are really painful. So I think it's kind of like, um, I think some can change. Really go. I have seen in myself some things really going. And then some of the thing is just you minimize the impact of it on yourself, on others. But I think it's kind of like um, uh, continuing exploration in different circumstances, because you might be totally fine for, I don't know, two, three years, and you think, this is it. I'm fine now. This is gone forever after. But sometimes it's gone forever after because the trigger has disappeared. You know, in your life, the trigger is gone. And then suddenly the trigger comes up again. And then you find yourself back there and say, how come? I, was not, I did not feel like this for three years. So I think also you have to see. You, know, you have internal trigger, but you also have external trigger. And so you have also to look at that, I think. There is many different things to look at that.
0: Would you um, briefly, again, go over the, uh, the four letting go um, okay. for the third one? Okay. They were very, very good.
1: <laughs> so the, f- the first one is what I call after. You see it after the whole cycle. The second one, you see yourself in the second cycle, in the, in the middle of the cycle. So I'll call it middle. You are in the middle of the cycle. The third one, you are at the beginning of the cycle. You are kind of like, you know, one, maybe one fourth, one fourth in the beginning of the cycle. And the last one is before the cycle starts. You see it before it starts. So if you want me to talk a little more about the third is what I call meditative creative distraction. There you really need to do something. So for, at that stage, you, you have already started, so the, 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 the power of the habit is starting to pick up. And so in order to counteract as an antidote to the power of the habit to take you down, you generally need to do something else. The difference with the fourth one is that you see it before it starts. And then the power of the awareness is stronger than the power of the habit. But in the third one, the power of the habit and the power of the awareness is kind of a little equal. And so you need to do something in order for the power of the awareness to become, kind of to add a little. Something happened to me like that. When I first uh, married my husband, and then he would go away. He would go away to teach. And then he would phone three days later, how are you, my dear? And I was in such a bad mood. And so it happened once, it happened twice. And I thought, wait a minute, this is not very nice. He goes and he phoned me after three days and I'm such funk. You know, what what's going on here? What happens? So next time he goes and I see first day, fine. Second day, fine. And then the third day, I see this little thought arising. And I say, ah, that's a problem. If I follow this thought, I get caught in this really kind of self-pity type of thing. And so when I, once I saw the thought arise, I did something else. Uh, I used to go for walks or read a book or something of that nature. And what is interesting, I only had to do this twice time and it totally went and now I can't even remember that sentence that thought which at then was so powerful that it would put me in a bad mood for days and that's when I realized that actually the power of the habits are not as great as we think that actually when they're powerful they look very powerful but if we can be creative Actually, they can just go, it's like there is nothing there. And actually, I think the problem, that's why I talk often about it, is amplification. Basically, each time of this letting go is a de-amplification. Like at the end, you see, oh, yeah, I thought it was a great thing to be so upset about this. Maybe it was not such a great thing. In the middle, you, hey, I am going, I'm a kind of, you know, amplification big time now. And just it as an effect of de-amplifying. I think this is one of our big problems. We amplify, we exaggerate. And once we bring it down to what it is, of course there are certain conditions and circumstances, but they're not, uh, not. Sometimes they are big, but sometimes they're not that big. And then they can go. If it's big, if it's big, then it's different. You see, if it's something like um, big because of a trauma or because of really, really difficult circumstances, then it's very different. Because then, it's not just about your own power. It's about actually, the I would nearly say, the power of what has happened to you and how it has impacted you. And then, there I think one has to be very careful and not just... Sometimes meditation can be really good, but I would say then it's not enough. You really need to have the help of different things. Some people it might be um, medicine, medical uh, drugs. Some people it might be therapy. Some people it might be exercise. Some people it might be three together. You know, it's like... uh, with addiction nowadays, they're really becoming much better in rehab. Before, it was just stop, and this is it. And now they're realizing, well, you stop, but you still have the pain, so you have to deal with the pain. So now they're doing in, in lots of these rehab place. You have meditation, you have massage, you have therapy. Then you have abstaining. Then you have the group of talking together. And in a way, only these three, all these things together might actually, in a way, help you to work with that really, really powerful habit. So I think one has to see when it's really intense, generally, I would say a lot of the time, just meditation won't be enough. You really need to help yourself with many other different things. Like you can see, for example, with uh, AA, the 12 step. It's very, they have many different things there too, to really help the person.
0: So when um, Anilayo was here, he said his daily practice is metta. And it was more of feeling, not repeating the words, but more just carrying that feeling through his daily life. Can you comment on that, how you kind of see that in this
2: whole scheme of...
1: I think, you see, again, uh, loving kindness can be a good practice for certain people. And some people, it doesn't speak to them. So I think one has to be careful Because it works for Anaia, does (laughs) not mean it will work for everybody. I think that's one. It's just one technique, and and then as a technique, it can be very good to just do the sentences because in terms of concentration, it's a very good technique. But it's true that just being with the feeling of it, if you can have kind of a way to bring the feeling to you, because sometimes people say. I don't feel like it. you know. So How can I produce a feeling when it's not there? And so I generally would suggest to, to bring some feeling that you can have with animals, tree, people, whatever it might be. And then you can try to work with the feeling. But personally, what I would say, and that was my experience when I was working with the questioning in Korea. You know, that Actually, I would say that whatever meditation you do, as long as there is concentration and looking deeply, samatha and vipassana, I would say that that's going to remove the obstacle to the compassion. And then if, I would say, naturally the compassion will arise, because I have seen it myself, but also you can also cultivate compassion. So personally I would do it together. Like I would do loving kindness if it really suits you, and if the way Analayo describe it, and you can do it, then I would do that. But if you cannot do it in the way Analayo describe it, I mean, he has been at it for the last 30 years, and he does about three days every week, I have heard. So, you know, he's got some training there. And so what I would say is, if you feel comfortable with any other meditation, that it be the breath, listening, the body, whatever it is, If you do the meditation with the Samatha and Vipassana together, and then, maybe once a day, you do loving kindness. As a reminder, that also could work. So that's what I would say. To do it like an Alayo, if it works for you, if it does not, then I would do it together with something else. Because I think that also is very powerful. And that's something that Ayakema, a great nun, used to suggest that you do your regular meditation, but every evening you try to do uh, a bit of compassion, a bit of loving kindness, 10, 20, or 30 minutes. And also I think what is important with the Brahma Vihara is to see there are four. You have loving kindness, compassion, rejoicing, and equanimity. And personally, I think all the four are quite... Not that often there is more accent on loving kindness or uh, compassion. And personally, I would say rejoicing is also an interesting practice. I have a friend who did it for a month. Just for a month, she did the rejoicing practice. And she said at the end, she had so much more appreciation and contentment in her life. Because it, it put the focus on an aspect of your life. Different from thinking about all what you miss, you think you're reflecting on all what you have, all you are capable of, and also all the happiness of others. And it really can make also interesting practice. The last one is equanimity. And I think sometimes equanimity sentences also can be useful. I mean, I do it in a modern way. I say, I suggest, may I accept things as they occur? May I be stable? May I be balanced? And then again, you can do it in two ways. Either recite the sentences or try to feel, in this moment, can I feel some stability? In this moment, can I feel some balance? In this moment, can I feel some acceptance? So you don't need to do it all the time. But time to time, you can, in a way, try to see if part of you can access... Those qualities. Okay. So maybe we can stop here. Thank you very much. Have a good life. (laughs) (laughs)